Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queen's podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Macbeth, directed by Justin Kurzel and released in 2015. Has he directed anything else? Uh, well, I will get out IMDb while you do the plot summary. The plot goes something like this. An adaptation of Shakespeare's famous play about the usurping king of Scotland, Macbeth. Macbeth being the usurping king. Not the... Not, well. Like, the king who's the, usurped or... Scottish history is full of kings who are usurped and were also usurpers. So, um, yeah, he yeah. wouldn't be alone on that no. particular. Um, yeah, so I... <laughs> so we watched this movie today. Oh, boy. And uh, by the time we came out of it, I hated Macbeth. And I love Macbeth. I like the play and I know the play quite well. I had no idea what was going on in this movie. Um, so the director, Justin Kurzel, uh, who I've just looked up, um, he's Australian. Oh, there you go. Married to Essie Davis, who we love, and um, known for directing Snowtown. Isn't that the serial killer one? Yeah, the, about the bodies in the barrels. Okay. He, he's so made not up, really famous. It's, no, it's his third film, and he's been given the Assassin's Creed movie for next year. Of course. Oh, boy. Um, um, well, yes. there's a movie that we can skip then. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this movie, man. Ooh, um, I, I don't know whether I love Macbeth. I certainly like it. It's... I've studied it a couple of times. Um, it is my favorite sort Shakespeare of tragedy. Adjacent involved in directing it at one point. Um, and I I was not a fan of this film. No, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, the trailer kind of, because it's all cut together quickly, makes it look much more exciting than it ended up being. It's very slow and it's in very poor lighting. Like at one point um, I said lighting and, and you were like, oh, they don't have – modern lights in the yeah, 12th century and I'm like I know but we have modern lights now so that we can see actors faces when they talk yeah so there's bits of that although I, it gets better as he gets further along so it's almost like at first he is this and probably accurate to the period this war king who's basically living in tents and as he becomes the king he gets um, this war leader, sorry, not he's not king at that point as he gets he becomes king he, he's in these big palaces there's more access to light the rooms get better, so I, I, the light gets better. It's a, it's that beginning stuff in there, especially at night time. Like they basically seem to be living in a tent city when the king is killed. It's just it's it is, very and dark. it's it's very dark. It's very um, unclear. And also, I, I was thinking this really early on in the movie. Um, we don't get to see what Macbeth is aspiring to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it seems like the whole world is just this like tent well i think i don't think they do a good job of setting it up no and i i first thought it with lady macbeth because i she just comes in and she has her unsex me now speech unsex me here and um well i I think we're supposed to take from the uh burial of the baby well yes they they do invent a child for the macbeths and have him buried at the very beginning of the movie so i guess that's their motivation but there's they don't set her up in any way they don't set him up in any way no and I mean, it no, he gets comes a better back. setup than she does because he's like he's like a war hero. He is, yeah, he is at least sympathetic. By the time she has that speech, she's not at I all. I don't know about sympathetic. He, he. I mean, all we see him do is kills lots of people and hug this twelve-year-old-looking dude that comes well, back a whole bunch that of that times. Was his squire and his squire died in that battle, and it was awful. See, I couldn't tell that at all. But Again, this is the thing about this movie, and I know we had a conversation about this in the car on the way home. If you don't know this play, and you and I know this play pretty darn well. Yeah. I mean, not like we didn't direct it last year or anything, but we know it pretty well. If you didn't know this play, 
it's kind of like the fourth Harry Potter movie. If you don't know that book, you can't watch that movie because it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, if you don't know this play, you can't watch this movie. No. It's, and that, it's, and no. I get that it's Shakespeare and I get that it's a lot of people do know this play, but a lot of people don't know this play. Like if you're making an adaptation of Shakespeare, you want to bring that story to the masses. You want to give a good reason as to why this generation can learn something from it. The, the thing is, whether or not people know the story that you're basing your movie on isn't the point. Every movie should be its own self-contained story that people can go and watch and see as a movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if it's in a series. It doesn't matter if it's an adaptation. Every single movie should be an experience that you can have in on its own separate in its own text. right. No, yeah. there's a word that I'm trying to think of and or a phrase. Self-contained. Yeah, self-contained. Yeah. It should be its own self-contained story. Yeah, right. And this isn't. No. And the material is all there. Yeah. Well, that's what we it's said. It's not like you said something about getting a script together, and I was like, but there is. Yeah. A script. And it's that's the thing. There's a. Th- it's one of those and 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 situ- and an ampersand situation with the screenwriters. The first the, before the based on a play by William Shakespeare, there is screen script by or screenplay by. And there's a writing team, so someone, an ampersand, somebody, and then an and, which means the script doctor has come in and had another pass at it. Like, this has had multiple people try and make it work. And it's, and it's Macbeth. It's there. And this was the other thing that got to me is a lot of the time, particularly when you know these speeches so well, mm. they just felt like they were just saying the words. Mm. And I am and I really hate to pick on Marion Cotillard, but she was probably the most obvious and I and probably because See, I don't think she was the most egregious. And I think <laughs> I'm giving her a pass more because she isn't a native speaker and also yeah, maybe, because I feel like she did more with her face. She did like but she there's this uh, kind of very cold out, look that, that out comes over her. spot monologue was it was like it just went on and on well i think they staged that wrong i don't think she did it wrong i think putting her in a church talking to a dead baby when she says which Mm. we don't find out till the end of the scene is not the right way to stage that scene you need to have her do like washing things and and going crazy right like that's a frantic speech not a slow dirge of a speech it's like a out out damn spot you've got to like we've got to get rid of the past we've got to keep going and she can't get rid of the past because she's stuck in it it should be it should have energy and be frantic and mm. be like showing this kind of not like a slow depression madness like a a manic kind of madness, mm. right? I think that the, yeah. they staged that, and yeah. so. But I actually, I'm I'm angrier with Michael Fassbender. Is his first name Michael? Yeah. Okay. I just thought I was wrong then for a you second. You just been for calling him Fassy for too yes, long. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, um, I'm actually more angry with Michael Fassbender because he is a native speaker, and yet he puts nothing into Macbeth. I felt nothing until the end. When he goes mad, like up until that point, I didn't feel like he was, I didn't, he didn't seem good to me in the beginning. Like I didn't feel like there was any, any, you know, um, yeah, he's always grace. a villain. Yes. No, you don't. But this is, that comes back to that problem of they never really set it up. They think that by inserting a dead child, we've automatically given them a motivation, but we haven't. We have not set either of them up. We he, don't feel the connection between them. No. There's, there's like, 15 minutes of incredible slow motion action scenes at the beginning like this isn't slow motion this is like a tableau like a m- slightly moving painting basically yeah the battle the, the, the opening battle and then it'll it'll it like t- took some cues from 300 where it's like really slow mo sudden fast mo really slow mo like sudden normal yeah. action and then witches in the middle of the battle scene i don't scene. have a problem with that 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 sort of st- I, the staging i don't think was the problem so much as 
we just I just don't get I there is nothing that sets me up that this guy is a good leader that this mm. guy is a decent guy who is you know susceptible to being to being preyed upon by ambition there's nothing that sets up Lady Macbeth as being someone who's susceptible to the ambition and we don't know what the ambition is like we don't see we don't have any sense of what they're aspiring to Other do you know than what the I mean kingdom I know but but because all we see is Duncan on the plains on the on the uh, more sorry on the like field of battle we never see him in a castle we never see him be respected and loved and stuff we never see a lot of people you see a bit of that with Duncan I think a bit of the respect and love I didn't feel like I knew why Macbeth wanted this like mm. I didn't feel like I knew that he was unhappy in his life or that he really wanted to be king yeah. or that I, I didn't feel his ambition I didn't feel it, it just... from either of them to be honest well I kind of I felt it a little more from her just because there was a lot of intensity on her face. Mm. <laughs> and and Fassie didn't really have that. So Until the end. Until the end. His best stuff is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow speech. From that point on, he's really good. Yeah. It was really odd. Um, and it's so kind of slow and I just kept waiting for the next thing to happen because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good because well, this is the part where X happens I was and then ticking, X would happen and it wasn't good. I was ticking things off in my head. I'm like, they're saying those lines, therefore we must be here. Yeah. This is a dagger I see before me. We must be here, you know. And I kind of liked the concept behind the scene that they did that in. Yeah, but again, the execution the young, was really flawed. because yeah, it was the young squire that he'd lost in battle and he was holding the dagger. That actually made a lot of sense. Yes, it was a good way to do it. And yet the execution was again flawed because you didn't – get much sense that he felt anything and this is another thing nobody feels things in this movie except for Macduff which was why Macduff was my favorite because Mm. he gets to have emotions Mm. um yeah well I mean he is exactly he comes out of Duncan's tent having found the body and throws up and then yells very visceral yeah the first time anybody yells yeah he's very visceral and everyone else is just like oh king's dead oh that's not true when they go into battle they all go rah but that's yeah that's it and I mean I think in 11th century Scotland they had enough kings and enough kings got killed that yeah sure maybe it is kind of a blase event that the king dies but Macduff actually there are children and like there are normal people there who respond to the death of the king with a kind of eh like little kids who don't talk, um, but everybody kind yeah. of responds to this murder happening in their camp with a collective shrug. Yeah, just like, oh, the king's dead. Well, okay. Yeah, nobody and- cares at all. And then, and then Macbeth kills one of the guards, and there's like the um, wherefore did you do that? Anyone with a heart to love and yeah. courage to make it known or something? And you're like, but you didn't. He didn't feel yeah, that it. Was, there There's was no, no passion in his and that's, response. That's after one of my two least favorite scenes in the movie. The first one is after he kills Duncan, who is David Thewlis, by the way, who I also actually quite liked. Um, I kind of felt him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, he, I actually felt that he was like a respected and, and warm figure that people liked. Yeah, and I kind of liked that he wasn't like too um, kingly looking or too good looking. It was kind of this, he just kind of, uh, he gave had, the, gave off this warmth. Yeah, that he people had a kind of sort of paternal yeah, vibe about him. Yeah. I thought he did well. Um, but anyway, so after he kills Duncan, then Duncan's son, Mal- son Malcolm comes in, and see, I know that scene, and I couldn't remember what happened. <laughs> and Macbeth goes up to Duncan uh, to Malcolm. He said, and he says the lines of "The king lies dead. These dudes killed Word him. That I had lived one hour less." Yeah, yeah. and but but the thing is, like, there's so little emotion in it, and then he holds a knife because. Malcolm is crying and he holds a knife up to the tear on Malcolm's face and he's like, you'll be blamed for it. And I'm like, 
this is threatening. This really looks like he did it. And he couldn't make it look more like he did it if he tried. And, and Fassie's just got one of those guilty faces. Like he's he just looks guilty from the time you see me. Like that's it. That's a guy's a villain. Like you just yeah, look at him and that you... uh, the psycho smile. Yeah, whenever he smiles. So he's sitting psychotic. there beside the dead king's bed, and you know, like trying to palm it off on the guards, and Mal- and and Malcolm is just going like, "Shit, what the hell?" No, but you would. I, I'm just like Mal. Uh, at this point, anybody would go. I kind of think you did it. I'm going to go tell some other people. Mm. Any person seeing that, like a five year old seeing that, would go. This is kind of fishy. <laughs> Right, like mm. it's it's so fishy. It's not even a little bit believable, and it's it's creepy. Yeah, and it's, it's what happened, which is the stranger thing. No, but but in like when I've seen other adaptations of it, he's like, like Macbeth seems upset that the king has died. He yeah. is like crying or you know frantic yeah. or something, well, and he, he goes, says- "Oh no, look, the king is dead. These people killed him." Oh no, they might blame you for it. It's you, a really low... You're my buddy, so you should run away and I'm going to protect yeah. you. He Not says like a... those lines, but he says them in a really low energy kind of way yeah. that just has no well, force behind it. Well, holding a knife to the kid's face. Mm. None of that. It doesn't make sense. So there's that one. And the other, my other least favorite scene was, of course, the Banquo dinner where they, they tell you Banquo's dead and Macbeth talks to Banquo's killer while there's dead silence in the room and everybody can hear him. Yeah, it was stupid. It was so bad. I, I sort of get what they were going for there because, like, yeah, you liked it more than I. Well, did. no, because yeah, because he's at this point in the timeline of the movie, at least, he's a new king. Pretty people know he's a bit weird. They kind of suspect what might have happened to Duncan, and so they're a little bit scared of him. So I can understand at a formal dinner hosted by the king, nobody would talk or sit until the king told them to sit or talk. I think it's not even just the talking. I think it's the silence that gets me, like total silence. There's no awkward coughing or children yelling out and being silenced or nothing to show that the silence was on purpose. It just looks like there's a bunch of statues there that the main characters are performing in front of. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's not – it's so unreal. And I think that was my – one of my biggest that, problems that, with this movie. That bit where he talks to the assassin, it completely takes you out of the rest of the scene, mm. which is not not as terrible as that. Like there's quite some quite effective work in that scene by Marion Cotillard trying to doing the lady that's kind of the best bit of her Lady Macbeth, in my opinion, where she's trying to cover up for her husband and trying to keep up appearances. Because I mean that's like that's a great scene and that's a meaty bit of work for whoever plays Lady Macbeth. And she does that well. And there's a good bit where um, Macduff and Lady Macduff stalk out early. From the dinner, I thought that oh, was. By the way, Elizabeth Debicki plays Lady Macduff and gets to have two lines: murder, murder. No, no, no. no and then, <laughs> and then the, the one lines after when she is being murdered. By the way, is that how it happens? Because I no. seem to remember they so, get killed at their castle. Yes, yeah, so they do. Which is why the lines later on don't make sense. Because so they so this Macbeth burns Macduff's wife and children at the stake in front of a whole bunch of people. in front of everybody. Like there's no the thing about Macbeth. I feel like this Macbeth is that you basically have him before he kills Duncan with people respecting him because he's good in battle. Then bam, he kills Duncan. He goes nuts. And he goes nuts in front of everybody and burns people alive in front of everybody. Well, and there's no recourse for I any can, of this. No, well, you see, 
I, it should be at least a little bit in secret. Yeah. A little like, tiny bit. I think it's known. Like, he is t- obviously, at this point, he considers Macduff his enemy, right? And so he's, you know, slaying the wife and children of his enemies. But I think even in the 11th century, people would have gone, slaying a wife and small children? Really? <laughs> but they didn't all know he did that. They don't, not everybody knew that he did that in the in the play, right? Well, and this is the like thing. the lines news doesn't travel later that on. fast. The, and and the lines when Malcolm delivers the news to and Malcolm and his and whoever the messenger is deliver the news to Macduff, the lines don't actually don't, make yeah. sense because they're all like killed them all, killed all the servants. Although that was my favorite down. scene in the whole movie. <laughs> it was. It was genuinely my favorite because there's no kind of weirdness with Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. There's just a guy delivering horrible news to another guy who reacts to it in a way that you would react to horrible news. And to to say that that's my favorite scene in the movie <laughs> because people behave in a way that I would expect human beings to behave mm. is really telling you something about this movie. Yeah. Like, I like that scene because, you know, Macduff gets sad news and then he's sad. <laughs> yeah, he reacts as viscerally as you would expect. And there's really good lighting. You can see everything mm. and it's upsetting and I felt something. That's that's really all it took for me for that to be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's just it was so dry, and there was other bits as well. Uh, they they tried to they went for historical realism, as in historical of the period. The historical Macbeth lived, not Shakespearean historical. Yeah, I was going to talk period. about that earlier. Um, and so so we get the lighting thing that we've been talking about, but they also went for thick Scots accents where they could get them. Obviously, Fassie's accent is more like his native Irish than a real Scots accent. Marion Cotillard just does her best English and um, David Thewlis does a pretty decent Scottish accent. Actually, I thought he was good because he was a king, so his accent would probably was, be yeah, slightly more slightly, refined yes, than everybody exactly. else's. But they, but they have some characters who are speaking their native Scots accents and Shakespeare's hard enough to understand. When you throw Scots on top of it, it's just like, oh, there's a kid who's a messenger who's his accent is so thick, I couldn't pick up what he's like. It, it, and th- yet I kind of liked him because at least it I sounded tell- like he was real. Well, yeah, you, well, that's right. It all sounded authentic, but it was also – it just added this layer of difficulty see, on top for of me, the movie that was already not bringing it. If I could see their faces while they were saying the lines, it yeah, helped yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it kept sh- shooting other things while people were speaking yes! Shakespeare in a Scots accent. And, and you're like, like I can't. this is hard. If I can lip read, it's a little bit easier. And yet, why are you trying to make this so hard for me? Yeah, it just is. <sighs> and there's a lot of talking over scenes that don't necessarily have anything to do with it. And a lot of long are they, shots are they also, of stuff. They, there's this conflict. I liked the witches, though. I did, too. I was yeah. going to talk about I really liked the witches. I thought they were well done. Yeah, the actresses who, especially the all doing their lines girl. in native Scots, and it worked fine. The round-faced girl yeah. was very good mm. um, and very creepy. Mm-hmm. She was she did that kind of thing well. I don't know why they had a little kid with them. The, I thought the adding the children was interesting because it's that historical link between witches and midwifery and whim, secret women's business. I thought that made a lot of sense, and especially given the play was written in a time when women in Scotland were still being burned for being witches. You say it makes a lot of sense. The witches in general don't make a lot of sense. They kind of show up and vanish. There's a bit with Lady Macbeth that makes no sense. Oh, They're just sort when of he there goes to all them the time. In his, in his nightdress, that bit is really weird because at first they give him some information and then suddenly people start marching past saying, No, because he fear drinks. Macduff, fear Mac- oh, he drinks the blood. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's, he, he's given visions. But, I mean, it, it, 
if it had been played slightly straighter, it probably would have been better. I think that about the whole movie, though, because, like, I should know the difference between the supernatural weird well, witch stuff and his crazed yeah. visions and, you know, normal life. I was about to and get into I that. And we... that was my problem, was yeah. you were talking about the realism. My big problem with this movie was the was the huge, like, aesthetic, not aesthetic, but What's the feeling difference between so this is, yeah, I was going try, I was for really about realistic to get into this just and, and not realistic at all? Yeah. Dreamlike. Yeah. When we were talking about – when you were talking about voiceovers, I was about to get into it then, but we got distracted. They don't know how to cope with those aspects of the play. They're trying really hard for this gritty, realistic, historically accurate kind of thing. And they don't, therefore, they don't know how to deal with the soliloquies. They don't know how to deal with visions and witches and things. And so, we get soliloquies. Of this movie is soliloquies. I yeah. Even when people could be talking to other people or could be, mm. you know, having some way of making that make sense, it's just a soliloquy. Mm. So we have like voiceovers in, in to make the soliloquies work. And then I don't. There's one. Here's um. If to a done to a best way to a done quickly one. Um. That that Soliloquy's done it okay. He's kind of sitting outside a tent somewhere on his own. That one seems okay, but I I just no. I but that like had a don't... weird cut in it, where at one point he's yeah, sort he's of talking to a wall, and then he's suddenly to... talking directly to camera. Yeah, he's talking to a wall, and it's a voiceover, and then he's yeah. And I don't, I just don't think they know how to cope. And then with that after that, there's a weird stuff. cut in the actual murder where he's murdering Duncan, oh, and yeah. then he's suddenly he's just sitting on the edge of the bed. And, standing, yeah. and then he looks around and he lies down on the bed with Duncan, interspersed with him stabbing Duncan. Like, I don't think that the things that they thought they were doing that were really clever and artsy work at all. That and the interspersed, like, battle scenes where it's like them running at each other and then them stabbing and then them running at each other again. Mm. Like, I don't think those things work as well as they think they work. Yeah, I, I think those things could have been okay if the rest of the movie had been done better. Like, I think those interesting little artistic flourishes could have been okay in a movie that had actually delivered the juicy, meaty stuff of the plot. I think those those things would have been okay if they had some connection to, for instance, Macbeth's mental state mm. or if they had some connection to Lady Macbeth's mental state or if they had something where you could tell that it was like, a fragmented mind but the problem is they go for fragmented mind from the get-go so you never see him go crazy like there's no kind of difference between like normal lady macbeth and crazy lady macbeth except she cries she's more. crazy from the get-go she get there that's opening with that unsexy no 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 speech. i mean the the like the post out damn spot yeah scene there's no there's no difference in her there's no difference in these characters that this is like this play is the most amazing play for watching character journeys, right? Mm. That's what it should be. Macbeth is all about a guy who is just like doing kind of his fame thing and he's a warrior and people like him and he's a decent guy and he really likes his friend Banquo and he really loves his wife. And he's a and good leader. And he's, he's a good leader, you know, but he has this kind of burning ambition inside mm. him that cannot be quenched and, and his wife kind of builds it up in him and then you see him act out on it but then what kind of toll does a murder take on an, an on an otherwise good person that's what macbeth is lady macbeth is a woman who is also really ambitious but also kind of she doesn't have that kind of goodness in the first place right no. she's just 
kind of not a very nice person yeah. right at the start. But then once she sees the true horrors of what she's created, she starts to unravel. Yep. And, and, you know, once she gets, uh, that, that separation from her husband and he starts pulling away from her and she sees what she's done to him that mm. undoes her it it should be really fascinating to watch these characters go from like i mean this is like proto breaking bad man this is like this is what this movie is this is a great i mean this is what movie the play is this is a great great play and that's why i like macbeth it has some of the best characters in terms of journeys mm. in anything it's fascinating to watch when it's done right. But they just don't do that because they don't pitch him right. Yeah, exactly. And so there's no difference between when Lady Macbeth is starting the movie and when she dies. No, th- that's it. Like the unsexing and she speech dies is for done. no reason. Well, she just dies. She's, no, she. I thought that the implication was that after she'd been through the out damn spot speech, that she'd just um, either been to see the witches or done something that had caused her to die like it's not yeah i know but there is an implication but there's no there's no but but you don't know why but yeah but unsex me here and the the last out damn spot are kind of pitched at the same level yeah yeah and it doesn't work she's just crying in one and the other one she's like you know angry yeah but not obviously and not in terms of her intonation just in terms of like the look in her eyes Mm. (laughs) there's no kind of actual differentiation if you listened to the two without watching that you would be able to tell. And the sound design was really weird in this movie too. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things we have to talk about is the aesthetic of it because the aesthetic of it is, I think, a lot of what people are interested in. Because if you look at the trailer, it does look really pretty. And there's some great stuff with colour. That boss Not battle in light. orange, that yeah. was cool. But the colours and that sort of stuff, and it looks like it's shot on film. It looks mm, really could pretty. Well have been, yeah. Um, but I actually thought it was really reminiscent of, if anybody has seen this, um, Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, which is also Macbeth. I haven't seen that in a long time. And yet when I watched this Macbeth, I was like, oh, that's like that scene in Throne of Blood. So I feel like the director went and watched Throne of Blood a whole bunch of times as like one of the best Macbeth adaptations and went, Mm. I'm going to put some of this in here and call it an inspiration. But when it's based on the same play, it just kind of feels like you're doing the same thing again but you know in Scotland in color. Yeah, I have I have fairly vague memories of Throne of Blood, but I do remember that it it did really capture the same kind of um that's and this is also it has in common with the uh Polanski film which is the one I'm most familiar with because if you went to school in the 90s or early <laughs> 2000s that's when you got shown. Yep. Um is they really captured the sort of cold bleak Scottishness of the moors like the the mist and the fog and stuff and that's yeah. I do remember that from um i keep wanting to call it game of thrones it's throne of blood <laughs> um and i remember that i did have game of thrones and lord of the rings feelings watching this as yeah, well yeah it, it the, that um i de- i definitely got that aesthetic that sort of that that mistiness and the the, the idea of the cold and the weather as a character which yeah. is, i think is important in the scottish play yeah exactly um that kind of part I got what they were trying to do. <laughs> I don't know how effective it was. Mm. And they were shooting on location. It should have been pretty effective. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it did look – I don't think there was anything wrong with the look of it. And and unlike you, I, I was sort of do okay be- with the, the 11th century lighting. No, see, if you're going to go with the 11th century lighting, then have the candles be lighting up her face, even if it's not realistic. <laughs> yeah. While she says lines like, unsex me here, it should be on her face. We should see her face and we should see it in light. Like, that is a freaking important moment. 
we should be able to see the actors saying the lines, right? Like, and then there's this moment where he goes, when the dagger is before him and he says, I can still see it. And then it cuts to that and it's just all darkness mm. with a couple of fires and you're like, I can't see anything. Yeah, there are definitely moments like that. I, I wasn't so bothered by that because it got was over fairly quickly, really. No, it really bothered me. And it just really kind of like the best lit scene was that Macduff gets the new scene, and it's mm. just so because it was out so outside. It, it 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 the thing is, I think it's frust more frustrating because it's a pretty movie. So you're like, you guys are doing so well on so many fronts aesthetically, and then this kind of lets it down. Mm. But a lot of things, I mean, so many things let this movie down. I thought I did really think Sean Harris did a good job, and I'd love to Macduff, see him yeah. do Macduff in. Like on stage or something, oh. because he was very magnetic and passionate and really interesting. I think, like honestly, Fassbender could do Macbeth on stage and do a better job of it. But I mean, yes, I think Sean Harris would be really good in that Macduff role. Actually, whenever I watched Fassie in this movie, I kept thinking of Viggo Mortensen. He looks like Viggo Mortensen in this movie, and then I was thinking about like Viggo Mortensen doing Macbeth, and I was like, I'd like to see that. Mm. That'd be interesting. Um, of course, I had Lord of the Rings feelings because Tolkien has spoken about the fact that. Several things in Lord of the Rings were inspired by Macbeth, mm, including yeah. um, the answer inspired by when Burnham Wood comes to Dunsinane. Mm. And uh, oh, that was something that annoyed me too. We only saw the trees burning; we never actually saw them come to that Dunsinane. Was a bizarre thing when he goes, Why? "Oh, and the woods coming here," and I'm like, "No, it isn't. You need to it's show just us on the fire." The, the bloody Burnham Wood has come to Dunsinane. There's you had one job, people. <laughs> one job. Point. It's a key plot point. It's a major plot point, and they're just not doing it. Like the Bur- the Burnham Wood dump comes to Dunsinane thing was so dumb. It's a it's so important, and yeah. it's just on fire. And I'll also, it. nobody's concerned. Again, nobody's concerned about this fire that's raging yeah. right next they, to them. And they're all like, "Oh, you know, it's it's not time. No, bring me my armor." But like, why can't we see why he needs his armor and what he's figured out? Like, he's yeah. part of the whole. Part of the unraveling is Macbeth figuring it out. Yeah, but we don't see any of that stuff. No, we can't. We can't know what's happening. That's crazy talk. But yeah, uh, it's just the whole kind of uh, meat of the play is not in this movie. <laughs> no, it's it's a very some very expensive, good-looking people saying the lines of Macbeth. Yeah, in and, a very and- pretty scene, scenery with some very pretty scenery and some very pretty cinematography and some cute, interesting editing. Oh, and but before I hear from anybody, the other thing inspired in Lord of the Rings from this play was, of course, the um, no man of woman born thing, ah. um, which has done much better in Lord of the Rings because he gets a woman to do it instead of just getting a guy who was born by C-section because mm-hmm. he's still born. Exactly. That's, there's no part of being born that says, oh, it has to be like out of the vagina. No. You're still born of a woman if they cut you out of her. Yeah, God. I do, that always makes me upset because I know that if you're born by C-section back then, your mother had to die. Yeah. And that just always makes me sad. But that's entirely beside the point because I had time to think in this one about well, the various actually, historical no, contexts. I feel like actually that was interesting because he says it's I was ripped from my mother's womb. Mm. So it does sound kind of violent and well, if, as if is, it's bad that that happened, so on a, which I kind of like. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was often though. I listened to the Sawbones podcast, which is a medical history podcast hosted by a doctor, and it's really good. But they did an episode on C-sections once just after she'd had one. And um, it so no woman survived a C-section until like the 17th century. Mm. But um, what used to happen is that quite often, particularly in noble or royal families, if it looked like the mother was going to die in childbirth, 
they would say, screw it, she's going to die, let's rip this baby out. Yeah. And it was, it was a violent thing where mum was going to, mum had to be sacrificed because she could be bearing a son. And you that's could, probably what had happened. Well, it's also, you can kind of understand it in the sense that because so many women die in childbirth, at least one life is going yeah, to, even if, yeah, it, without true. putting aside yeah. the son thing, at least they yeah. can save one of the people. Yeah. Because otherwise they're both going to die. But, and the line is, yeah, I was ripped from my mother's yeah. womb. Which because I always course, felt like it was kind of a commentary on the fact that C-sections are kind of awful. Well, I felt and, that and, when and, I used to read it too. Well, yeah. And of course, in when this is written, 1606 or thereabouts, C-sections were awful because no woman had ever survived one. Yeah, I feel like that's I, I don't know. And, and I of actually, course, that then ties back into the idea of the witches and midwives yeah. and all of their magics. I actually feel like Macbeth is one of the best plays for women in terms of Shakespeare, and all of the women are kind of bad guys. Mm. So I want to kind of talk a bit about why I think that. Yeah. yeah. Um, firstly, Lady Macbeth is one of the best female villains there is. Right? Like she is because she is allowed to be awful. But none of it is about she's a woman, therefore she's awful. It's all about she's an ambitious person mm. who is really kind of bad because of this trait she has and not because women are inherently evil, which I, no. I really like about her. I, and, and I mean, she struggles with it, of course, in that she's she's like, oh, because I'm a woman, like unsex me here, I, because I am a woman. But that's about I am not society's expectations. Yeah, and it's fantastic. Yeah. I like her. That's not because of who she is, but because society because what expects she's her got to, deal to be with. a woman mm. who is, and the, but and she the is best so that she can hope for is to actually have her husband act for her. Yeah. And and I kind of like that she actually suffers for her um, badness and is hmm. punished for it because Macbeth is too, and that's what should happen to because villains. They're, yeah, exactly. But I I I feel like Lady Macbeth is one of the best sort of female roles in Shakespeare because mm. it's just so she isn't uh, none of the traits that she has that are bad are because she's female. No, um, nothing that happens to, that happens to her in this movie doesn't happen to Macbeth, for instance. Like apart from killing herself which is something that happens a lot in Shakespeare like you kind of feel like Macbeth kind of kills himself as well by going into the mm. battle they just do it in different ways yeah um and and nothing that kind of she does is not something that he is part of as well so it's it's a very equal yeah role. it's it's and not the Ophelia witches. who is sent mad by her stupid ass yeah, yeah. boyfriend um and Hamlet uh, sorry not Hamlet um and Othello oh Desdemona Desdemona Sim similar thing right? yeah. has an abusive boyfriend yeah, exactly. So those yeah. two I feel like are awful, whereas Lady Macbeth really kind of brings about her own destruction, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and sorry, the witches yeah. are such great, like, mm. concepts. Like, they're these representations of this nature that nobody can understand, mm. and they say it's unnatural, but at the same time they're irrevocably tied to nature. They, they are the ones who really understand nature and are part of nature and can harness that power. Yeah. In a way that the men are scared of because they don't have that power. Yeah, so I I, the it's one of the reasons why I've always liked Lady Macbeth is just that it's really, I mean, I've always loved the play Macbeth and the characters. Well, it's the different examinations of female power. Yeah, and it is a really, I don't know, I like Macbeth. I like how kind of bloody and violent and gory mm, it is. Yeah, I like that like too. <laughs> the, the, but, but the thing is, like, there's none of that kind of Hamlet whines constantly about the oh, things Hamlet's that happen to him. such a little brat. <laughs> the worst. I like Macbeth better because I just feel like it's so interesting to watch two because I think what, what is great about Macbeth is Lady Macbeth and you get to watch them both go at this, like, this terrible deed together. And, and they have, like, two corresponding journeys, yeah, yeah. but they 
go fall down together. And yeah. that's one of the reasons. And it's so kind of mean and bloody and gross. And, and like, just there's that kind of evolution of the characters and stuff. I, I really, I, I always enjoyed Macbeth. So I was very, I was more disappointed, I think, that this movie was so dull and not good. Because, I mean, even, I didn't even understand Throne of Blood. Like, it's in Japanese. <laughs> I know it had subtitles. I was going to say, the one I watched had subtitles, so I was good. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah. uh, reader movies tend to kind of lose me a bit because yeah. I don't watch it's, the picture yeah, while exactly, I read it's, because yeah. that's how my brain works. But Throne of Blood I I is so, like, distinct to me that I remember it. And I haven't seen it since we were at uni. Mm, no. I right. haven't seen it in 10, 11, 12 years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember exactly what happens in this movie. Because when I was watching Macbeth, I was remembering the Lady Macbeth from Throne of Blood's right. face and I was remembering the I'm war remembering scene at the end Polanski's, and the fire and yeah. stuff. So um, Polanski's I only remember in terms of, oh, I knew what was happening. Well, I remember Polanski's, but I'm, I remember Throne of Blood in terms of I knew what was happening. But yeah. I mean, but the visualizations yeah. I think in Polanski's are, uh, make it clear, and it's very. We are not condoning Polanski. <laughs> no, but this is the you know this is what we're familiar with, and this is if you went to school when we did, you probably saw this one, and it's also it is like it's pretty straightforward there's, there's adaptation. A dagger I see before me, and there's a dagger on the screen, and there's a floating 19, dagger that's being held up by a <laughs> Special effects, yeah. No, but that is and and the the um the um out down spot scene. I'm remembering. Mm. I think he comes in and she's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. It makes it very clear, because Shakespeare isn't clear, it makes it very clear what sh- they're saying. Mm-hmm. This movie makes no attempt to do that whatsoever. Mm. None. It does not care whether you understand it. It assumes you, you know it. Yeah. And it is, it, and that to me is, is its main failing. It is. Assume- it's mortal sin. It's mortal sin, yeah. It, it's too clever for its own good. It's trying. And it's too fucking long. Yeah, it felt really long. It's only about an hour and 45 minutes, I think. I know. But the, the I scene, did look at my the, watch 12 times. The shots of things go on too long. They just do. They go on. It goes on too long. And they're pretty shots. I understand that. But it's not. I think the magic of Shakespeare is in the words. And when you can't understand the words and they don't have them on, like they don't have people talking for that long, it, you really lose a lot of momentum. And every so often it kind of picks up the momentum again and you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. There's the Shakespeare. And then it goes away again. Yeah, and you're back to looking at fog on a moor and or shots like of big, snow. That, 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 lots of churches and that yeah. pulpit thing with the sun coming in. Oh, that's the, by the, the way, tr- yeah. by the way, what did the, what was the ending about? Um, the bit, oh, where, um, Banquo's son ran away towards the kingship and also Malcolm walked towards it. Is that what yeah. you're Yeah. What was that? I don't know. I assume Macbeth what... is dead. Roll credits. Like, or like stick his head no, up I'm, on the fucking no, no, no. roll I credits. I was okay with um. <laughs> I was okay with um Malcolm putting the crown on, but he doesn't quite do that. They do. Yeah, it but they fancy... do that for like five minutes. Yeah, it's, it's Come long. on. But and but then also like you do need to close the loop on Banquo's Flavio, whatever his name is, Flayance. Flayance. Um, <laughs> the worst name for a child, I swear. Oh, and you have yeah, you have to sort of close the loop on Flayance's story other i don't know but you could have had him um, but also it doesn't it's not at all clear on the in this movie how he got there and what happened to him um so it doesn't follow the story through no so you don't have to close that loop because we never looped it there was no like there was no storyline with flounce in this movie he just sort of ran away which is you know he's five it's fine no Macbeth is dead McDuff is with his very broken nose, by the way. Amazing makeup effects, makeup mm. person. Um, Malcolm is king. 
We're done. And and then there's this bit that like mirrors Malcolm walking towards an e- the exit of the building and Fleance running towards fire. Well, it, it it's Malcolm is walking towards like the the idea is that the sunlight's coming into the church and Malcolm is supposed to be the light of a new era. And I assume that Bank uh, Fleance is walking towards the light because he too will ca- be carrying this on at some point. It's the idea See, of succession. I thought it was more Fleance is walking towards blood. And he will kill Malcolm for the kingdom because mm. the sky is so red, and then after that everything is red. Well, I don't. To be, I, I have my um, genealogy of the Brit- Britain's royal families in front of me <laughs> because I own such a book, and I can't. I don't actually know how the genealogy goes here because in Scotland the kings kill each other every few years, and a new person takes over. They're but all the related. Fact that, the fact that we don't know at all what it meant, no idea. is probably not a good reflection on the movie. Mm. It just means that there's a couple more minutes where you're confused and your main character's dead. Yeah. And we don't even see Macduff, who's the guy we liked. So you just have to assume that he's going to be okay. Eh? But he eh? doesn't seem to care about Macduff. No. Macduff in this movie is just a tool to an end in spite of the fact that he's clearly the best, like, character in it. You know, like, he does the most mm. <laughs> in this movie. I mean, Sean Harris is really giving it his all in this movie. And it is a very different performance from the only ever thing I've ever seen Sean Harris in, which was the Mission Impossible yeah. <laughs> movie. We're at 45 minutes, so we should probably wrap up. Oh, God. I have to, that means I have to give it a mark. And I don't I, – I probably want to give it a two. Because I don't hate it. I don't. Uh, there was some. You don't hate it. No, there was some good. You know, I'm always overly generous with these things. I think I'm giving it two out of five because. Yeah, you like the histories and the boring shit more than I. I I'm into the histories, but I, I, th- I think they were trying to do some interesting things. I just don't think it was very well executed. I just don't think if you're going to try and do interesting things, tie it to the. It didn't feel organic. The interesting things felt tacked on to the story, not organic to the story. Yeah. Like, if you're trying to do weird kind of cutting things and, and, and slow-mo stuff, make that, tie that into what Macbeth's doing and what Macbeth's feeling. Hmm. Don't just have it because it's a cool effect. If you're going to have the dim lighting, make it tie into what the characters are doing and feeling and not just because it's dark then. You've got to actually have, when you're making a movie, you've got to keep in mind all the time that everything you put on screen is supposed to reflect the story and not just what you think looks nice. And so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of the stuff in this movie that's trying to be artistic and cool looking and that sort of stuff doesn't reflect the story because the actors aren't even really getting the story across right. Like, nothing in this is actually getting across the story of Macbeth, so why do it? <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to do a Shakespeare adaptation, do a goddamn Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah. Like, and there are modern Shakespeare adaptations that do a better job than this. Hell, Lion King is a Shakespeare adaptation. Miles better than this Well, movie. I mean, to, for you and me, the benchmark for Shakespeare adaptations is Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Of course, because it's the, the best one. That is the greatest one that has ever happened or ever will be. Mm. And that is, and that's a very high bar, but that is what you need to do. Like you, Oh, man. If you're going to do Shakespeare. Harold Perrin knows Mercutio. Give a reason for doing Shakespeare. <sighs> You can't just do Macbeth because it's a play and it's got good roles in it and we should do Macbeth. You have yeah. to say, what does Macbeth tell us about our lives today? Why is this relevant? What, what or can what I, does it tell us about that period in time, not just could, what did it is, look like? But yeah, and but what is that is relevant to someone who would go and watch this movie? Mm. I mean, sure, you can make a straightforward adaptation because you want to get it into schools or whatever, but the, let the BBC do but that. This, this but this is even not going to go into schools. No. I haven't given it a rating yet, and it's been no, about three minutes. No, come on. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it 
I'm going to give it one and a half stars because I liked it better than 2001. (laughs) But I'm going to give it one and a half stars for the aesthetic and Sean Harris and the idea of behind the some of the casting and stuff. I know I don't even know if it deserves one and a half stars, and it's short. <laughs> it's it is mercifully short. Like th- it seems too long, and yet it's. Short. I don't know. I don't even know if it deserves. I'll give it. It can have one and a half for now. I might change it by the time I review it. It might go down to one. Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read our show notes, you can find them on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter at screen underscore queens, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. So thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.